Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for over 2,000 years. I'm joined again this week with Dr. Benjamin Smith, lecturer in philosophy for Catholic Studies Academy. And today our topic is going to be postmodern man, postmodern worldview. And what we want to do is kind of try to, first we're going to try to define this, um, uh, which sometimes even goes against the principles of postmodernism to define anything. Um, We're going to attempt a difficult task today, but I think it's also important with regards to uh, evangelization, apologetics, uh, even just trying to have uh, a civil discussion with, uh, say, the modern person. And so what we want to do is first, I think, kind of begin with sketching out a postmodern worldview. So Dr. Smith, why don't you get us started? Give us some kind of some highlights or maybe some some characteristics of a postmodern worldview. All right. Thank you, Jason. Uh, I think um, a good way to begin with this is a little bit, just a little bit of uh, historical background. Sure. Uh, and then I think you can um, sort of that, that sort of positions you to move forward. One of the uh, one of the helpful things is just uh, to start with the the title of this movement that is postmodern, uh, which mm-hmm. of course means after modern or after after modernity. Now there are a number of philosophers who cast this description into doubt or um, this characterization of doubt, but at least from their own from their own perspective, postmodern uh, philosophers thinkers think of themselves as being after modernity, after modernism. So that, of course, makes you think, well, what do we mean by modernism? So just very briefly, um, what they mean by modernity, right, is really enlightenment modernity, or what they would sometimes call enlightenment faith. And that is a a faith in the, uh, the reason of the individual person to figure out all of the important truths about life. So if anything characterizes, you know, sort of the enlightenment, it's Immanuel Kant's dare to think kind of uh, idea. Uh, you, the, the, the power, the insight uh, uh, of individual reason to, to find things out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, postmodern philosophers sort of react against that. Uh, postmodern thinkers um, don't, uh, they're, they're skeptical about the power of reason. They're also skeptical about individualism. Um, and in some ways, I think you could sort of recognize something that's appropriate there. Maybe that's something we could return to later on. That is, um, uh, I think it's right to, to, to be skeptical about the Enlightenment uh, right. <laughs> and, and critical towards it. Um, so in some ways, I think we, could, we can recognize some, some level of, of insight here um, uh, in a postmodern worldview. The postmoderns, um, though, of course, have a particular reaction to this, right? That is, they're, they're after modernity, so they don't just reject the Enlightenment, they reject the Enlightenment in a certain way and replace it with something else. Um, and uh, their view um, and their critique of the Enlightenment grows out of what's called structuralism. So you have to do some isms right. here. Okay? So right. Structuralism was um, a movement in sociology, early 19th century sociology. Uh, the belief here was that all thought uh, well, that what we could do is within societies, we could find a common universal structure of social development, right? Okay. That was structuralism. Now, you can see that's actually part of the Enlightenment project. With my individual reason, I can find in every society um, uh, a common structural development. Post-structuralists were sociologists who said, that's not possible. 
that in fact, uh, there are different and divergent paths of social development. And this is the, the key part, um, that societies structure consciousness, right? So that the, the idea here, right, you hear from lots of postmodern thinkers is that, um, is the term social construction. Right, right. right. So, uh, this really comes out of postmodernism, as we know, it really comes out of sociology um, uh, to a large degree uh, and post-structuralist sociologies. So just to be clear, in case I know there's a lot of large, uh, jargon around here, but um, structuralism was an enlightenment view that individual human reason can figure out the universal structures of social development. Post-structuralist thought that's not possible. Social development is different in every society. And important, in addition to that, that consciousness, ideas, values, meaning are all predetermined, really, by those divergent forms of social development. Does that make sense, Jason? Yeah, it does. Where does, one clarification, though, uh, how would the um, understanding of reality, what is reality to modern and postmodern man? Mm -hmm. That, does that also fall into the uh, parameters of just a social construct, or uh, is it to be brief? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, there is a, um, you know, your view of reality. Okay, is in a lot of ways um, determined by the the social structures of the community from which you come, right? Okay. So as a Catholic growing up in twenty first century America, your views about reality are going to be a mix of Catholicism and 21st century science. Um, and that's just the way it is. I mean, you, you can't, your conscience is structured. Your ideas are structured by the society in which you developed, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Our education system, our economy, all those things participate in conditioning your mind, right? To a sense, probably to first to, to view the world as, as through the lens of science and then also through the lens of Catholicism. Um, but that's because now, of your particular background. But now is there is there any object objectivity though when it comes to things being real or uh, um one so of the more radical forms of uh postmodernism that you might find in, in say Derrida or Michel Foucault, um, or maybe um in a more complicated way, maybe Francois Leotard. Uh, mm -hmm. those, um, for them, they would say, no, right? Objectivity itself yeah. is a social construct, right? It's a, it's a construct of enlightenment rationality is what they would say. So that if you don't participate in that project of enlightenment, you know, the enlightenment conquest of nature kind of thing, objectivity just doesn't arise, right? As, um, as something to value, as something to pursue. Right, so it, it, so probably the postmodern man would say, if he would even grant you reality, he would say, well, it might be there, but we can't know it, and so we don't. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's inaccessible uh, uh, in itself. So in some ways, you can see some Kantianism sort of still here. Oh yeah, um, on 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 life and on social relationships um, and social. Um, uh, conditioning, uh, I guess I would say, um, so that you know when you come to questions about reality, the good itself, etc. Again, that's all going to be um, uh, uh, a social construct 
that you have inherited that you're working through uh, in in your own life. Um, now, there's a um, so that's sort of like the epistemological side of things, right? That sure. the knowledge side of things, right? Do we have mm -hmm. knowledge, right? Um, there are important ethical and political elements to the postmodern worldview. So if you think of um, if you think of say uh, issues about values or meanings mm -hmm. or definitions of things, right? Those things in a postmodern perspective, they are um, uh, they're really um, those are themselves constructs, right? And, and once we realize that they're constructs, we should shift over into a postmodern perspective. And uh, Francois Leitard does a good job of, of describing this as uh, skepticism or the rejection of all meta-narratives. Right. right. So, uh, so what's a meta-narrative, right? <laughs> so a meta-narrative <laughs> is anything like Marxism, Christianity, Buddhism, whatever, some sort of kind of globally organizing form of thought, right? All of those really are just social constructs, and this is the key point, social constructs that very often empower entrenched forces, right, and it, um, of authority and domination, um, so that our ideas about goodness, about virtue, etc., are really constructed by by those who run society. Does that make sense, right? Yeah, it's very Nietzsche-like, huh? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, there is a uh, sort of a, uh, a Nietzschean, um, there's an element of Nietzschean analysis there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, um, that for them, they would say, you know, um, ideas about private property, uh, they're invented by the wealthy. Right, mm -hmm. uh, I, that that sort of thing. Right, uh, ideas about proper male-female relationships; those are um, invented by um, patriarchal men. Um, mm -hmm. All those sorts of things. Right, uh, ideas about sexual ethics are constructed by heteronormative, um, you know, people. So, uh, wherever you have a meaning or a value or a rule or a norm. In society, usually that's constructed by that's constructed by the society, and usually by those in power to entrench their their power and strengthen their domination of others. So, if you have two people from two different um, environments or two different uh, societies uh, uh, looking at an event, and they both uh, uh, come away with it, they both see this event instead of there being necessarily facts about the event. It's simply kind of two different interpretations of this event. Neither one is necessarily right or wrong, or neither one of them can actually get at facts, but it's kind of these two different interpretations based on their social constructs of, uh, of how they were conditioned in their society or with their upbringing and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> there are no neutral facts. There are no... There's yeah data um there there are only um interpretations only interpretations interesting now how okay, um i guess you know at some point you know we want to get into you know how does the how does the christian even interact with this um but look, before we do that though let's let's look at how does how does that translate into you know uh, the human person how does the postmodern man view the human person do they have a particular anthropology uh, I think they do, yeah, uh, and it's an important one. It's one that we see at work uh, in our lives. Um, so if you think of 
meaning and value and definitions as social constructs, right? Mm. Social constructs that are often motivated by uh, domination and power. Um, then definitions of what, what it means to be a human being, definitions of um, what it means uh, to be a man or a woman, uh, definitions certainly of marriage and of similar type institutions and practices are all of them social constructs. So for example, Aristotle defines man as a rational animal because it happens to be the case that Aristotle is a very aristocratic, rational person, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, he's creating a definition of man that serves his interests, okay? And in many ways allows him to um, sort of validate his superiority, right? So that he can say, well, to all those who aren't as rational and logical as myself, you're not really being as, as fully human as somebody like myself, Aristotle, who is a, uh, like the exemplar of the rational man, right? Yeah. That's the most modern read, right, of, uh, of, of Aristotle. And so what you find then is, well, what about all of us that don't fit the social constructs easily or neatly, right? Yeah. Uh, many of, uh, um, for such people, what they, they are what is defined as the other or the marginal. Right. So the other or the marginal are those who don't fit the categories neatly that our society has developed. And what happens is they get marginalized. Uh, they get uh, oppressed. Right. They, uh, because they're not able to express their own identity, uh, mm -hmm. their own sense of meaning and definition. Uh, they're forced into these categories. And so they end up getting oppressed. And so if if they feel like if they're experiencing dysfunction in their lives, they're experiencing inauthenticity and oppression you know, the, the postmodernists say, you're right, you are, and that's because your society is oppressing you, right? Mm -hmm. And so the key as a, uh, to, for a human being then in a postmodern perspective is liberation, right? To be liberated from the oppressive structures developed by one's own society. Interesting. <laughs> to say that's that, a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the frustrating examples I can see today is you know you have a, a situation where you have contradictions that I don't think you know really ha, ha, there there hasn't been or at least to me any good like explanation or postmodern kind of reasoning of of how it is and and, and namely when you're talking about things like gender theory and stuff you know on the one hand you know we're saying well gender is a, a social construct or, or or gender is something that you simply decide. Um, but on the other hand, we're saying, well, there's, uh, uh, we need to have, you know, uh, women's equality. We need better representation of women. But at the, same, at the same time, it seems you're saying, well, no, women itself, the term woman. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's, a, there's an internal conversation and debate, I think, going on amongst feminist philosophers amongst um, other postmodern philosophers about this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, because there is sort of, uh, there's tensions that, that are manifest there. I think what you'd wanna say uh, um, here is that what you could say, well, on the one hand, um, whatever the, the first most basic mission here for the human being in a postmodern perspective mm -hmm. is self-definition. Right. right. But importantly, also social recognition, because the thing that postmodernists are, one of the things that's important about postmodernists that makes them different from, say, enlightenment thinkers, right, okay. is that um, postmodernists 
fully, and there, there's a sense of what's right about this, they fully recognize the social character of being human, right? Right. And so that, that, that there's, um, human beings are, are, are social and that we need, in order to operate well, we need to, in order to find, even find ourselves or to experience liberation, we need to do that in community, in society right. with others. But this means it's very important for you to recognize my self-definition, right? Mm -hmm. See, like, uh, if we don't have mutual uh, recognition, mutual respect, mutual affirmation, then neither you nor I can enjoy our freedom, enjoy our liberation, uh, enjoy uh, our own authenticity. Um, so that's where like the, the strong social component comes in there. Um, don't know if that, sure if that directly addresses your concern there, but I think it it shows. I mean, and again, I think there's something correct here that is the social nature of a human being. Of course, postmodernists can't quite say it that way. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I do think that 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 is um, that that part of it. I think is um, is correct. Um, but you can see that just sort of from a subjective perspective, I guess living out. Be like if you're a postmodern person, mm -hmm. right, you're involved in both self-definition and, I guess, to put it in a positive way, dialogue with your broader community. Um, yeah, yeah. It it just seems interesting though that you know the postmodern meta narrative is that everybody should have their own meta narrative and kind of reject it not necessarily outright, but at least approach it with some skepticism, the meta-narrative of the mm -hmm. culture they grew up in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also have to accept somebody else's, there has to be that community acceptance of your, whatever your meta-narrative is. Sure. <laughs> to me, it's your personal identity, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. So uh, some postmodernists um, are aware of the, the of the sort of like difficulty of sort of contradiction here, right? Sure. Um, and so there's a but there's a variety of responses. Mm -hmm. um, so one is to say, well, that's only problematic if you are logocentric, right? And being logocentric is itself a kind of social construct. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I'm fine with the inconsistency because I'm not logocentric, <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, if I don't opt for that, then it's not a you know, if I don't mind, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. the, uh, the other one is to, say, is to recognize that there is a difficulty here, but to just call on constant, rev like your perpetual revolution. Um, so that, you know, yeah, what we end up doing is is creating new categories that then bring about marginaliz marginalization of other groups, other persons. But what you have to do is just keep the churn going, right? Um, and, and that that's going to create at least the best situation for liberation. Interesting. Now, how? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's interesting. It's it's difficult to sort of. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, what do you think about it? I mean, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your reaction well, to that? Yeah, I, I think it's very difficult to, to simply just escape. I don't understand how it escapes complete subjectivism or, you know, the different forms of relativism, whether it be cultural relativism, individual relativism. I, I don't necessarily see how it escapes that. Um, 
but at the same time, like, I don't need, like, as a, as a, as a Christian, like, I don't even know how to interact with that. How do you even start a yeah. conversation with somebody? With, and, and I say interestingly, <laughs> and like the way I just, yeah. like, if I were to run headfirst into a wall, that's an interesting kind of <laughs> position. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think there's a, uh, you can react, I think, to it in a couple of different ways. Sure. One thing, I think it's the one point of contact, right, mm-hmm. right might be this, um, that because postmodernism strives towards nonconformism, right? Okay. Um, because postmodernism strives for personal commitment, uh, personal um, definitions, that sort of thing. One of the things that you would anticipate about a postmodern person, right? This makes a lot of sense in some ways of kind of the mess of a lot of postmodern lives, right? Is that sure. they don't we don't they don't we don't accept parameters. You're just you're sort of like it's all ripped away from you, and we say we say go for it, and you need to make sure you're recognized by society, right? <laughs> like, and that, that that makes things really difficult, right? For, sure, for a human sure. being. And, Explains a lot, I think, of the um, problems that, that people face and deal with, right? Um, mm-hmm. in, in a postmodern society. Um, that said, um, the uh, as I was sort of moving towards saying, the the postmodern person is someone, if they're being at all serious about it, um, that's looking for purpose and meaning. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I think the point of contact is, OK, like you started, you're, you're on this quest, this journey to try to find, to try to develop your uh, personal meaning and purpose. Right? right. So if I would define a point of contact, I would say, OK, we're, we're going to step back from the idea. And there, there, again, there can be some things that are useful here uh, because, it, you know, like, for example, one of the things I'm sometimes sympathetic with or sometimes the postmodern uh, critiques of the way uh, economics and class um, kind of condition us to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a Christian could say, yeah, like there's too much of a sense that I'm defined by my consumer choices, right? Um, yeah. And, and postmodernists would agree with that, right? Um, so insofar as one is willing, you know, insofar as there's sort of a, a quest for meaning that wants to not be sidetracked by various forms of conformism at least there's a point of contact there what do you think about that yeah no i mean i think that's i I, you know it's the fundamental human question you know Mm -hmm. why am i here and you know looking for meaning and things so yeah i mean i think that's i think that's a um a good point uh of like you said of interaction um i think i think the difficult thing is you know, because at least when it comes to Christianity and evangelization, there's always the, uh, you know, the phrase, well, you gotta meet them where they're at, or you have mm-hmm. to um, uh, go gently, you know, with them in this way and stuff. So I always, I think that, I think the balance or even the struggle for the, um, for the evangelist um, going to be, you know, uh, what do I accommodate and what do I push back against? Um mm-hmm. Especially, you know, and I think that's a difficult task because there's so little definition or there's so little um, generally accepted definitions 
uh, in postmodernism that it becomes difficult uh, to say, okay, well, I know we're using the same words, but I think we mean two different things, or sure. we're on the same page. You know, so I think mm -hmm. the, the, the linguistic um, element of postmodernism presents a particular challenge to Christianity. So I think, you know, a big thing is going to be um, uh, not necessarily the Christian presenting the gospel to this person um, as kind of a first uh, point of encounter, but I think it's going to be the Christian questioning mm. um, the postmodern man, uh, mm. having him really start to build his worldview. And mm -hmm. Christian is going to be there to poke holes, mm -hmm. to say, yeah, there's some inconsistencies here. Uh, mm -hmm. And then let's build it up, or let's see where Christianity can fill in those inconsistencies. Because like you said, you know, they're looking for meaning and things like that, you know, but at the same time, you know, is there a human nature? Are there teleological ends? You know, or do we, you know, how do we look at it in that way? Um, so I think that, that that may be, you know, starting point, at least for, you know, the Christian is to, you know, have them, you know, uh, ask the questions. Uh, the postmodern person, have them build up, you know, their worldview, explain it to them. And uh, um, hopefully they could see some of the, at least some of the inconsistencies in it. Um, but uh, I think it is, I think it's a particular challenge uh, that I think, you know, sometimes we don't even know how to begin, you know, in a way. Um, sure. You know, especially with that, with, you know, having uh, strong, you know, Christianity has strong definitions. Uh, postmodern mm -hmm. um so i think like i said i think that's a particular challenge um, mm -hmm. um i think, I think that's correct jason uh, uh uh it is a challenge but there's also you know one a couple of things to say here uh one sure. is that um i'm sympathetic to some uh philosophers who are um sort of skeptical of the postmodern nomenclature to start with. Yeah. Uh, and that is the idea that, that really postmodernism is just hyper-modernism, right? That, is, <laughs> that, it, that it actually yeah. just, that in a way it's, it's, it's a, it takes modernism and, and, and sort of extends it out into sort of a radical uh, way, a way in which say people like Descartes and Kant couldn't have possibly imagined. Um, right. Um, um, but uh, that, it, that it sort of, um, it really is just an accentuation of um, the modern. Well, the reason I say that is that the, if, if that's the case, then the kinds of things you would say in response to modernism are also applicable with respect to uh, postmodernism. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Um, yeah. So I think one of the key things that, that you have in postmodernism is an accentuation of a divide that's introduced by Kant. And that is a divide between um, the, not only the noumena and the phenomena, so the appearances and reality, okay. yeah. but in addition between practical reason and speculative reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that for Kant and other modern enlightenment thinkers, they start to introduce a hard divide between our moral lives, meaning and purpose, and then on the other hand, facts and reality yeah. and science and things of that nature. And I think, you know, what I've encountered over time as I've been looking at these issues is, uh, I would say back in the 80s um, and early 90s, um, 
uh, in the 90s especially, was probably the height of postmodernism in its sort of philosophical purity. I think mm -hmm. it sort of receded a little bit in this sense that there is the, this kind of radical subjectivity and emphasis on sociology stands, goes hand in hand in the same person with a strong affirmation of science, right? Uh, which yeah. seems to be really at odds. Do you follow me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, you know, we, if you're going to be completely postmodern, right, then you should think of science as another oppressive meta narrative. Yeah, don't push your biology on me, you know? Sure, right, yeah. And I, I have run into at times, like I said, back in the 90s, some thinkers who really do carry it out that way, but that doesn't seem to be the case right now. It doesn't seem to be the case for the last decade and a half, really. It seems that there's more of an emphasis. I'm giving away my age, by the way, by talking about the 90s like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, um, it seems to be more the case that you can be both radically subjective about meaning, purpose, and value, right? Yeah. Any kind, any things that are either ethical or sort of metaphysical to go beyond just sort of fact, uh, physical appearances, but then at the same time, hold on to science. And to me, that seems like a kind of almost Kantian bifurcation. Uh, sure. Um, and that really that's kind of what we're dealing with to some degree. And I think one of the things that, I know that sounds very abstract, but one of the things you could do is challenge that, right? Yeah. Uh, challenge that bifurcate, right? You could say, well, wait a second, the practice of science itself presupposes certain values. Um, so if you affirm science and the value of science, doing science, you think science is important, are you saying, uh, you know, why do you think science is important? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a good question, you know? Oh, because it's because it's true. So you value truth. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I value truth too. Let's talk about truth, right? <laughs> uh, do you, you know what I mean? So it, it, the, there are values latent in science or the commitment to science that actually I think opens up a conversation onto purpose and meaning that should maybe move um, in a better direction, a healthier sort of direction. Yeah, and I think you know the modern person, you know, the, or the postmodern person, you know, has that they can hold that in their in their mind where you know when it comes to ethics morals things like that that's completely all subjective but you know the, the only reality we can really get at are those things that we can come out through science you know sure. so yeah. hold these thoughts in their head you know and, and again this is you know also why i think you know that the the christian needs to be one that's prodding the, the mm -hmm. man with questions you know asking him about these things but I think, you know, I, th I think that may be like kind of a first um, that could be helpful for the for the Christian interacting with the postmodern man is to, to get them to at least recognize that that there is something that can be absolute about uh, morals or ethics or, or something along those lines. Because I think once you kind of get that door open, you know, i.e. murder, Mm -hmm. We agree that that the killing of an innocent person is always wrong. You, mm -hmm. know, you know, if you could start start there, I know that's a. Sure. Yeah. I, know I agree. With people, that. that's a thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, it could. Uh, you could talk about that. Uh, one that I usually go towards are, are racially motivated killings or genocide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very often, people say, "Boy, oh, say, no, I'm not. I'm not down with that." Um, and, and yeah. it's good. <laughs> it's good. So I mean, one of the things I think you can see at work here, we always need to, I think, keep in mind, and I think sometimes we fail to keep this in mind in evangelization, is that Christianity is in fact true, right? Yeah. 
right. and that it in fact gives us the true picture of the human being and the true picture of the world. And so, <laughs> albeit there's a lot of postmodern thoughts sort of kicking around within society, right? Um, as I say, I, I don't think anybody's completely postmodern. Um, or I think it's pretty rare, I should say. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, that really humans are not set up that way, right? So humans are set up, right, to know the truth, to, to see the truths about God uh, clearly revealed within nature, um, and ultimately uh, to know and to love God, right? So that's the tr truth about a human being. And we shouldn't lose track of that, right, in our engagement there, right? Yeah. So that, you know, you're going to find somewhere in any human, or I would say the vast majority, some point of contact uh, with the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So while I think it's good to be aware of postmodern ways of thinking, maybe ways to uh, be aware of various maybe points of contact, like I said, I can share, uh, I can share with a postmodern person um criticisms of consumerism or maybe uh as i say also the quest for meaning uh at the same time know that christianity is the is true in the big picture so that we yep. should anticipate right that in fact um you know god is working on that person and that that person is made for the truth and so that you're going to find somewhere in there something it might even just be a thread right um uh, that you can start to pull on right yeah. maybe it's your love for your children maybe it's your hope for your children maybe you know, whatever it may be you know uh, some thread that can kind of lead back to uh, a healthier and fuller Christian worldview. Yeah, I think another another kind of thing maybe you can comment on is you know just the transcendentals in general. Uh, mm. Maybe we can look at as maybe different paths, at least intellectually or experiential, you know, paths for the postmodern man to come to God. You know, because you're going to have the mm. uh, social justice warriors. Well, let's talk about goodness. You know, mm -hmm. you know, sure. uh, let's, you know, the, the, the artsy type, let's look at beauty, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sure. the objective about beauty, you know, the, the, the hard intellectuals. Okay. Let's talk about truth. So, I mean, I think, you know, when we, when you look at the transcendentals or even, you know, as Thomas says that they are names of God, um, that we can use those as kind of maybe paths to, to interact uh, points of contact uh, to reach postmodern man, you know, particularly I think beauty because yeah, truth is relativized and sometimes beauty is as well. But, but I think, you know, there's something that's really unspeakable or, you know, incommunicable about uh, beauty that strikes at the heart of all, all people uh, that mm -hmm. they explain. But I think there they can understand that there is something transcendent about this. There's a really, there's a reality beyond just my social media. I think if they're being honest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they could do that. Now, they could quickly silence, you know, uh, that conscience or that, uh, that understanding. But, you know, I think the uh, transcendentals might be a, a good kind of map maybe for us to look at. Sure. I think, you know, when you think about art, you know, very often you think of art and uh, I just, well, my mind went to, uh, to thinking about art when you, when you mentioned beauty. Um, one of the things about the uh, experience of art, aesthetic experience in general, right, is that it can be uh, a transcending experience mm -hmm. in the sense that you become absorbed in uh, and pull uh, the thing contemplated, the thing experienced, 
rather uh, than sort of being in your own sort of kind of trapped in your own sort of subjectivity. Um, but, um, and so that is a, a, an experience that I think um, can move you in the right direction uh, to mm -hmm. be sure. Um, in the sense that it, it sort of pulls you towards um, reality, uh, pulls you in, in sort of a self-transcending sort of um, direction. Of course, you know, it, it, as soon as you start, it, as soon as you bring, start talking about that, right, in terms of art, you know, certainly a lot of people will say, well, ideas of beauty are socially constructed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, various <laughs> forms of art are socially constructed. We're trained to think that, raf that, that Renaissance art is beautiful, uh, et cetera. I mean, in some ways I want to say, well, yeah, that's true. And nevertheless, right, it's the case that it's beautiful, right? Um, mm. um, and, and, and more interesting than myself uh, or kind of my feelings or that, that sort of thing, right? It sort of draws me out. I mean, in some ways, uh, maybe perhaps, you know, natural beauty is more useful in that sense. Yeah. Because um, you can get a little bit away from the idea of social construction um, 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 in, in that point, so. Yeah, but Pope Benedict, I remember in that, um, he had a, a, he was a, a an address he gave and it was uh, put into a book called Handing on, a Handing on the Faith in an Age of Disbelief. Mm -hmm. uh, and he talks about just kind of the, uh, a particular struggle that we have based on our current society. And he said, it's very difficult to um, look at reality today and understand transcendence towards God. And he said, it's because when we, the majority of the things around us are all man-made. Sure. Uh, and so he says, you know, when, you know, you, you live, you know, most for the majority of us, we live in a constant 72 degrees, right? Yeah. Uh, where the, the weather doesn't affect us like it, like it affects, you know, the farmer or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, so it says, you know, it becomes a particular challenge to look at our, uh, look at the things around us and uh, see God's reflection. Um, mm -hmm. He says it becomes dangerous, and this is this is the part I thought was interesting. Is that he said it becomes dangerous when the uh, uh, when we begin to lose sight of man as being made in the image and likeness of God, mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. because then absolutely God becomes just completely lost, you know, mm -hmm. on everything around us, including even those things we look around. We see they're man-made. Well, that's mm -hmm. wonderful. It can point to God, the Creator, but when we lose sight of man being in the image and likeness of God, it could lead to just a godless society. Sure. I think it has happened to some, to some point. So, you know, I think these are all really good uh, um, points for us to consider as Christians. Yeah. Uh, look at the, to look at uh, postmodern man to understand where he's coming from, what he means. Um, mm -hmm. some, I think some, some good advice hopefully here to help you interact with um, uh, the postmodern person, uh, and to actually have a meaningful and, uh, you know, have some sort of results from your conversation. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Smith, do you want to add anything before we? Yeah, just one last thought as you were talking. Yeah, sure. think that, um, you know, the one thing, you know, is to always turn, um, you know, a, a challenge into an opportunity. And, uh, you know, Postmodern critiques very often feel disorienting. Yeah. Um, 
and they are, right? I mean, deconstruction is meant to be uh, disorienting. Um, and one thing that you could sort of think is, well, instead of trying to prop up something else, right? Um, which isn't always bad, but instead of something to prop up something else, you might just say, you know what? Like work within the postmodern condition and just sort of have the idea that, you know, it may be, um, yeah, like a, um, you're experiencing a lack of direction. You're experiencing rootlessness. You're experiencing nihilism, right? The loss of all value. Um, you know, up is down and down is up uh, in this crazy world. And it seems, uh, it seems crazy and it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so to kind of like, you know, we accept that that's the case. And one of the, uh, one person uh, I think who can kind of point the direction here is Augustine, right? Um, when, you know, sometimes a, I, I like to bring up um, in conversations in class and so forth, the idea that, you know, um, there is something wrong with us mm -hmm. um, and that Christianity has an account of that. Um, and it's our, our, our lack of God, right? So it's, 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 the way I like to put it is, it's not that, and this is not original, this is really Augustine's way of putting it, it's not that um, because we're messed up, we lack God. It's rather we lack God, and therefore we are messed, we're messed up. up. Yeah. Um, and so, what we ought to maybe sort of right is yeah, is to, is to sort of say, yeah, man, life seems crazy and messy and all those things. Uh, why is that? <laughs> you know, like, why does it seem like that? Maybe what we need to do, what we needed all along, right, uh, was to be um, it, uh, the reasons we're alienated from God, and what we need is put ourselves back within um, communion with God. And mm -hmm. once that kind of is in place, then things start to make more sense. So hopefully the, hopefully the things we talked about today have uh, helped our listeners uh, in approaching postmodern man, understanding where he's coming from, being able to engage him on a meaningful level and being able to, to draw him out of himself, you know, and draw him uh, towards God. And in that communion with God, uh, he can find true meaning, true purpose, and authentic beauty and goodness. And so that'll do it for us today at Take Every Thought Captive. We want to thank our listeners. And in the meantime, you can check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>